0: And take the right next steps towards landing a career you love because you deserve a long, radiantly happy and healthy career. This is the Flourish Careers Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Flourish Careers Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Smith, and I'm thrilled to be here for the second segment of Flourishing Together a monthly episode dedicated to curated conversations with industry insiders sharing wisdom and strategies to improve your work and well-being. Today, I am delighted to introduce you to Cassie Spencer. Cassie and I are fellow career coach colleagues and were recently introduced by a mutual connection. So once again, shout out to Lori at The Muse who Thought that Cassie and I should connect, and she was right. It has been such a joy to get to know Cassie. Cassie has a background in higher ed and has worked in career and professional development offices and college campuses, and she also supports clients through her private career coaching practice where she's on a mission to help others make their next career move. Cassie has a delightful podcast called Happenstance, which is all about sharing stories of how people have built their careers through planned and unplanned experiences. I absolutely love the concept behind this podcast, and you should definitely check it out. We'll include a link in the show notes. I also recently learned that Cassie has successfully designed what I would call a values-based portfolio career. So that means that she's crafted a multi-income stream career based on her core and lifestyle values, which I know many listeners are interested in. And so I'm really excited to dive into this topic today. First, a fun fact. So when Cassie and I first met, we learned that we both began our professional careers in a tiny town in upstate New York. Now I have to tell you, there is not a lot going on in this part of New York State. So the fact that we both began our careers in this town is very random and just such a fun connection. So Cassie, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I am so, so excited to be here today. Well,
0: before we get into the questions, I wanted to share just a little bit of context around a portfolio career. So As I briefly mentioned, a portfolio career is basically, I would say, like a working style where you combine multiple income streams. So you can create a mix of full-time, part-time, freelance, consulting. And in today's world of work, I feel like with access to tech platforms, this type of career is much more accessible. So I think of things like Uber and DoorDash and you know, the fact that you can hire a dog walker at the click of a button, you know, and, you know, maybe putting it in some professional context, you could combine like a project management consulting role with part-time real estate work or develop a product or service while freelancing. Like there's so many different ways to create this type of career for you. And I think one of the most significant themes around this is really about self-management. So you get to decide when you work, who you work with, and what work you do, which can be super rewarding for some people. So with that context, Cassie, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your portfolio career, maybe a little bit about what it looks like and what inspired you to pursue this type of work.
1: Yeah, of course. I'm so excited that this is our topic today because I think probably just in your explanation, more people listening are like, oh, do I have a portfolio (laughs) career than they even realized and you know with all the examples you shared it is just something that's becoming more and more common which i think is really cool so my portfolio career i actually feel like started 8 years ago maybe 9 i was in grad school and luckily had a supervisor in grad school who kind of was the first person to share this concept of a portfolio career with me and thinking about the multiple streams of income and kind of doing your work in the way that you want, with you want, with the people that you want, and everything that you just shared. So I feel like I had kind of an early introduction to this idea of a portfolio career. And it was something that was immediately interesting to me. And I think from that career coaching lens, I loved the idea of kind of having like, my hands in multiple things at once and not just being locked into a single nine to five or something like that. Um, But kind of being able to do multiple things and building my skill set and kind of navigating my own career path in that way. So that is what kind of inspired my portfolio career. And I would say over those last eight or nine years, it is something that has kind of started out small, you know, with two streams of income, I guess, and then moved into multiple other streams, especially over the last like two years, three years. And it's just something that continues to kind of grow and and change. So for a long time, up until 2022, um, one of my like main streams of income was a traditional nine to five working in a career center on a college campus in upstate New York and doing that. And then having a secondary income from freelancing and really doing that on a pretty like small scale basis. Um, Just taking clients as they came to me and as I kind of wanted them and really using the ebbs and flows of my traditional nine to five. And for anyone who knows the, the seasons of a college semester, They have ebbs and flows to them for sure. And so, you know, kind of balancing out my portfolio and the clients I was working with based on that. And then throughout the last couple of years is really when that portfolio has expanded. So I'll just give a rough overview of what some of that includes. I do not have a nine to five anymore, I would say, Um, but I consult with a university and provide career coaching for them on a part-time basis. So that's one. I freelance through The Muse. So that is another career coaching-based stream that comes through there. I have my own private career coaching (laughs) consulting. So three kind of career coaching-based streams of income, but, but coming in from different ways and different amounts of time spent on each of those. And then I also podcast. I also do some other consulting with small businesses and that type of thing. And then have done a little bit of dabbling in the wedding planning, wedding coordination, and officiating lens of things, which I feel like is a real curveball <laughs> to a lot of people. But I have a background in event planning from from way back in my undergrad days, and that has kind of come full circle. So I feel like I'm probably forgetting one or two, but those are like the main streams that ebb and flow into my portfolio right now.
0: Ah, this is so good. I love the event planning that came from undergrad. And it's just so fun to kind of, you know, I always tell people, you can't really look, you know, predict forward motion in your career, but you can always look back and connect the dots. And maybe that's a happenstance moment for you, you know, kind of coming together here for sure.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And it's something... I think it's a real beauty of portfolio careers that you can have these opportunities to lean into skill sets and interests. And for me, I in my undergrad, I did event planning and marketing internships. And I was actually in the middle of a full-time job search specifically for wedding planning when I was also applying to grad school. And I was kind of at this crossroads of like, do I want to go straight into a full-time job? I had an offer from a wedding planning company in North Carolina, and I had a grad school offer from a school in North Carolina. And it was like, no matter what, I'm moving to North Carolina. Now what do I do? Grad school or this wedding planning job? And at the time, I remember it being like a pretty stressful decision. It, you know, It felt like I was making the quote unquote decision for my career. Do I go the career coaching path? Do I go the event planning, wedding planning path? Um, And ultimately, for a lot of reasons, I chose grad school and I wanted to do that. It was a phenomenal experience. But it wasn't until the last couple of years that then I had like a true opportunity to build that into my portfolio. And it was kind of this realization for me and one that I was happy to share with a lot of people I've worked with now of like having that full circle moment and seeing how you can in small or large ways incorporate these other Elements into your life. And if you want to make money off them, great. And I have. And if you don't want to, like, that's okay too.
0: Yes, this is so fun. And I, you know, when I think about portfolio careers, like you were mentioning, you know, you kind of have a couple streams of income under the career coaching umbrella. And then you called it a curveball, you know, having something that you really like doing that you're interested in, you know, with the event planning kind of coming in. And so, You know, I think that's the beauty of a portfolio career is you get to make it really what you want with all the different interests that you have. And so I know I work with, you know, clients that I would consider like multi potentialites, like lots of different interests. And this could be a beautiful way to build a career for somebody that has lots of different interests like that. So um, quick question for you. When you thought about, you know, when you originally heard about the portfolio career concept and then made the decision to start a portfolio career, what kind of things like from a values perspective, other than liking the variety of work, did you take into consideration when you were making that change? Or, you know, maybe the change wasn't a hard, like I'm doing this, you kind of eased into it. So talk to me about that transition.
1: Yeah, of course. So because I learned about it as a grad student, it was before I was going into like my first real full-time job search. And so... I think because I learned about it early, I just felt like I had a lot of options in terms of looking for a traditional nine to five and kind of going the route that I had like quote unquote planned at the beginning of grad school, but then also starting to really explore and dive into some other options. And the biggest things that were kind of important to me and from that values perspective, I would say right from the beginning was making sure that I had the flexibility and the freedom that I wanted if I was going to do this. And so as I was preparing to graduate and kind of going through that process, I was applying to full-time jobs kind of all over the country. And that's how I ended up in upstate New York. But then I was also looking into opportunities to expand my coaching practice, essentially outside of, I don't want to say just college students, but outside of that environment and kind of that setting and as I was looking into those opportunities, I found The Muse very early on in their career coaching kind of platform Um, when they established that. I think I was one of the first like 10 coaches on there. I have to like fact check that. But, but part of why that opportunity was so interesting to me and why I've stayed with them since 2016, I think is when I started with them, is simply because I... So it was so important to me and I really valued having the freedom to coach in the way that I wanted to do it as much or as little as I wanted and that type of thing. And so that freedom um, was definitely really important to me. And it has only increased in its importance as I'm kind of building out portfolio careers and income streams and deciding what I say yes to and what I say no to. That freedom is just increasingly important and having the flexibility to decide based on the time of year, based on what I'm doing, where I'm at, all of those things, deciding like how much time, energy, and effort I want to be putting into these different streams. And that's something that has ebbed and flowed quite a bit across all of them. Um, And so having that is really important to me.
0: Yeah. I love that you mentioned the freedom and flexibility. I remember, so I have a portfolio career as well. And I remember the transition from a nine to five job into a portfolio career where it was like, I want my time to be my time. Mm -hmm. And that's what I value so much with a portfolio career is you get to design your days however you want to design your days. And there's Mm -hmm. just so much beauty in that for certain people. It's not right for everybody, but for certain people you know, and, and when you think about, you know, career planning in general and, and kind of prioritizing that lifestyle that you're looking for and then and then backing your career plan into that lifestyle, it can really bring work and life and well-being all together, you know, for you. So thank you for sharing that. I think it's really impactful for folks to hear that. Now, let's talk about a few of the challenges. So obviously, there are still some challenges with managing this type of career. So I'd love to hear just like what you've encountered in terms of challenges and maybe how you've overcome them or kind of what stood out to you.
1: Yeah, of course. And I'm so glad we're like talking about that too, because a portfolio career, I mean, I love it. And I think it sounds so great, but there definitely are challenges. I would say and i'm going to speak more to the challenges in the last like 2 to 3 years because i think that's really when my portfolio truly like expanded to what it is now and where i had to navigate quite frankly more challenges than i did in the previous like 5 or so years leading up to that so definitely leaving my 9 to 5 and transitioning fully into a portfolio career with multiple streams of income freelancing and consulting and that type of thing Definitely like figuring out my own schedule and structure was a challenge. It was one I was excited to take on and to kind of figure out how do I want to build my days and what does my week look like and that type of thing. But it was a challenge to not have that same structure of like you're online. You know, When I worked at a university, I was at my desk from 8 to 5 every single day and I was hopefully getting lunch, but often like scarfing something down really quick, uh, 15 minutes between meetings or appointments. And so kind of really giving myself that freedom and that time to figure out my schedule, to build out a routine. I'm a routine-based person. I like kind of having that schedule and that discipline, but it took some time to build out like, where is there space for kind of creativity and freedom and flexibility and putting a lunch on my calendar every day, like sounds so simple, but I had to do that and kind of force myself to stick to that and to develop some routines around that. So that was kind of an initial challenge, especially coming out of a nine to five. And then another one that I think is important to recognize for me at this point, having multiple streams of income is exciting. It is also a lot to manage. And I'm kind of in a scenario where even like my three main sources One, I get paid bi weekly, one, I get paid monthly, and one, I get paid whenever the invoices come in. So it could be like five invoices come in in a week, and I get that money in a week or three to five days based on the platform that I use. It could be that I get one invoice in a matter of two weeks and that comes in. And so, kind of making that transition from having a nine to five where I knew exactly what I was getting paid. Every two weeks, and then having like a freelance thing on the side that really just felt like extra, and I could kind of do what I wanted with that, and then transitioning into, okay, I'm a hundred percent responsible for my own invoices, and then navigating multiple streams of income coming in at different times has just been a challenge and really required me to like sit down, get clear on all of that manage that in a way that I haven't had to before, track it, you know, and that type of thing. And I think that's a unique challenge of portfolio careers and one that is really so specific to what your streams of income are, where they're coming from, how frequently they come, and then where they're going to. You know, for some people, a portfolio career can just mean that you have a couple extra in income streams and they go into one account and they like stay there and you don't think about it um or I know some other people who depending on the streams that they have, like one stream goes straight into a vacation fund and they just like check it every you know three to six months or something whereas other people like my main three incomes come in and like that is my income for the month and that is how I live and then the others are kind of like that quote unquote extra. so that is definitely I think a unique challenge to This career and then adding on to that kind of deciding what gets your time, energy, and effort as things ebb and flow is another kind of unique challenge.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned the financial piece of it because let's be frank, nobody works for free. Like, we're not doing this just for fun as much as we wish we were. You know, it is fun, but we've got to pay the bills. And so I'm glad that you mentioned the financial aspect because it can be challenging when you don't have that stability of that steady income, you know, coming in every two weeks or every month or whatever you're used to. So like the ebbs and flows of that. And there's a little bit of trust I've learned, like kind of trust in the universe that, you know, it's going to work out and it's going to it's going to happen just the way that it's intended, but it can be a little bit nerve-wracking, especially if you're just getting started. One of the things that I really appreciated, and I'll just share this about, you know, with freelancing with The Muse, is that we know, like depending on how many clients we, we get through the platform, but we know we're going to get a paycheck every month. And so that's at least a little helpful for some stability when you're, you know, kind of thinking about this. So... And you had mentioned, you know, kind of managing the different portfolios and, you know, your time with them. One of the things, and I'm just curious if you find this to be a challenge, is context switching. So, you know, especially if you're going from like wedding planning to career coaching, you know, I I, I have a portfolio career and one of my streams is um, doing some communications consulting. And so if I'm working on that and then switching to like, interview prep or something with careers it takes a second to like context switch and so i've learned to kind of plan my days a little bit differently so i'm not doing that back and forth so much but do you find that to be a challenge
1: yeah i definitely think that that is another lens of this of kind of where where your brain is at at any point in a given day and being able to make those switches depending on what the task is who the client is and that type of thing and You know, I found like some of the more drastic switches, like career coaching to wedding planning. I almost find that that's a little bit easier for me because I'm like, okay, turn that side of the brain off. And like, this is the focus point on, you know, this thing. What I found to be a unique challenge is like working with college students and the consulting I do in that realm. And for anyone who's worked in higher education, that is a lot more of coaching, educating informing, I would say, teaching the students how to do the things. So, you know, with a simple example of a resume, it's like I'm coaching them through how they are are going to do it versus then when I switch over to a private client I'm working with or a Muse client that I'm working with, that is much more like a service-based interaction where I'm asking questions and we're engaging in a conversation to gather that information. But I'm not really coaching them on how they should do it. I'm then doing the thing. And so that's an interesting switch that I do make a little bit more regularly because I'll meet with students for a couple hours, maybe have a break, you know, for lunch or something and then meet with clients. But that's an interesting like micro switch, I guess, too, that I have to make regularly. And I sometimes have to remind myself like, okay, this is a student. So we're going to approach it this way, and like this is not a student, so we're going to approach it in a different way. As yeah, I'm going, yeah,
0: I love that. I think just being mindful of that, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, just being mindful of that and knowing you're doing it can help with the context and the back and forth. So, so what what kind of skills and qualities do you think are essential for a portfolio career? I know we mentioned a couple of them, you know, being okay with variety, being okay with a little instability. What else do you think would would make somebody uh, successful in a portfolio career?
1: Mm, yeah, great question. I think like having a little bit of creativity and maybe not even a little bit, having a lot of creativity is important in a portfolio career. And I mean that more from like creative thinking and creative problem solving to explore different ways to do the things that you want to do and to tap into different industries or different opportunities. And I feel like that kind of creative thinking and just like an openness to opportunities has played a big role in what's led to my portfolio career. You know, like I said it was something that was introduced to me early, but I never necessarily like planned for some of these other streams to come in and especially from that wedding planning and coordination lens and that type of thing. Those are all things that Like a friend of a friend said like, hey, I heard you used to do this or you're interested in this. Like, do you want to? So it was other people kind of coming to me with ideas. And same with some of that small business consulting that has come from clients I've worked with, supporting them through their career journey. And then for a couple of them who have small businesses being like, "But I also want like, would you do this? Because I also think I need help in this realm. And so I think that creative thinking, that creative problem solving, and then also being open, which I think sounds so simple, but quite frankly, a lot of people are not open to things Mm -hmm. and to opportunities coming. So those are a couple qualities. I would also say there is just a level of discipline that this career and lifestyle kind of requires. And I know That is something I've continued to kind of navigate. I think I am a pretty disciplined person, even though I don't have to be. I'm pretty much online every morning by nine. I try really hard with the exception of a few days a week to be done by five to kind of maintain a little bit of that like normalcy. But it's also something for me where because it's partially my own business and then my own podcast and then these other consulting things that there is a little bit more of this like integration into my life where... I don't even really love the term work-life balance anymore for myself because it's not work and life. It is an integration of my business is a big part of my life right now. And my life is my business. And And kind of integrating that has meant for me, like sometimes I'm up on a Saturday morning and, and working partially because I want to, but also partially because it's just what makes sense and kind of giving myself the flexibility that I then want you know, on a Monday morning or something. So kind of having that discipline to potentially say no to plans or to schedule around other things to kind of accommodate for all of that, I think is another quality to just recognize in yourself um, and to kind of evaluate if you're intentionally stepping into a true portfolio career. Yes, I'm so
0: glad you mentioned the self-discipline piece because I think sometimes people see these portfolio careers and people working from the cafe and on the beach and all this stuff and you get to do. But there's an element of discipline where you have to work in order to pay the bills in order, you know, for that stability to actually happen. And so there's a little bit of that self-discipline and then maintaining the motivation, you know, to continue to the work because you're not reporting to Anyone other than yourself and your clients, you know what I mean, and so it, it's it's a different level of discipline, I guess, and yeah. you know, and I, I love that you mentioned being open. I think adaptability, just kind of going with it, you know, going with with what comes your way, like you had mentioned the the business clients in consulting, and sometimes you just have to be open and, and willing to adapt and kind of change course or try something new, you know, along the way, which is where I feel like that entrepreneurial spirit. I don't like to call myself an entrepreneur. I feel like it feels weird. I say Mm self-employment all the time or portfolio career, but having that spirit of Mm -hmm. being able to, you know, understand what's going on in the market, you know, maybe creating unique offerings, depending on what's coming in your way are all, you know, and that kind of speaks to the creativity that you were mentioning as well, you know, qualities to make this work for you.
1: Yeah, and I think there's so much to it as well of like following your own nudges of like what is interesting to you, what's the market doing, kind of what's happening externally and internally plays a role. And for me, I guess this isn't necessarily a quality, but kind of recognizing that some of these things, aspects of my portfolio career are like long lasting, right? They are kind of perpetual in bringing in new clients and that type of thing. Some of them are a little bit more one off, you know, or they're kind of that side thing. Like, I don't plan 15 weddings in a year, you know, it's like in the last couple of years, I've done three, I think, you know, and I've officiated a couple of weddings, some of them for friends. So, you know, it's also things that are very ingrained into like my close network and that type of thing. And so that recognition, too, of It probably could be a lot bigger if I wanted it to be, but you can make those decisions kind of as you go.
0: And that's the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. You can make those decisions and you can, you know, pick up one side and let one side go and then pick up, you know, kind of switch as, as you go, which I, that's one of the things that I love about a portfolio career. Now you mentioned networking and talking with people and kind of taking what comes your way. And so just the fact that you and I met through networking, um, I would love to just hear your thoughts on what networking uh, does for a portfolio career, kind of how that plays into building this type of career.
1: Mm, Yeah, I think networking is just like such an underutilized aspect of careers in general, whether you're building a portfolio career, exploring your career options whether you are the happiest person 10 out of 10 every day at your job networking still underutilized in my opinion because people are just have a wealth of information and insight and i often say to people that i work with and in casual conversations like networking has just become such a scary term and people hear that and they're like ah that like feels gross and i don't want to do that and all these types of things and I really approach it like networking doesn't have to be uncomfortable. It doesn't have to be weird. It also doesn't have to be you reaching out to strangers. Like you can network and build out a portfolio career from your immediate network, from the immediate people in your day to day life that you interact with. And even, you know, a simple practice of like if you have an idea of an income stream you want to build out or a freelance thing you want to start. Any type of project, passion project, whatever it is, that idea that's in your head, I can almost guarantee you there's someone in your phone contact list that either knows something about that, is willing to help you, or knows someone who would be willing to help you. And so, you know, from that networking lens, I think a lot of times we are reluctant to think about who do we already know? And who are we just not having an intentional conversation with? Because having that intentional conversation can then be a thing that leads to opportunities or someone saying, oh, you're interested in consulting for small businesses? I was just talking to someone. They need help with whatever. Um, And so having those intentional conversations, and I, I say this from a standpoint of like, some of my opportunities have come from not having intentional conversations. So when we're having non-intentional conversations and opportunities pop up from that, it's like then tenfold when you are having the intentional conversation. And I'll just tell a quick story that I was celebrating a friend's birthday. This was like two years ago and we were out to dinner. And one of her friends who I like know, right? But it's a friend of a friend type of situation. We're all at dinner. And we're talking about how I helped plan this one friend's cousin's wedding. I know her family really well. I've like do everything with them. I planned her cousin's wedding. And the other friend who I've met like one other time was like, wait, you did like wedding planning, coordination, that type of stuff. And I was like, Yeah, it was really fun. Like, you know, whatever. I know their family, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, um, I'm getting married in a year and like at my parents' house, we could probably really use some help. And I was like, Yeah, of course. Thinking, you know, this is a one-off conversation. She's not actually going to follow up. And like that then led to me coordinating her wedding, doing all the day of planning through that experience, right? Meeting other people who then were not only asking me like, is this your full-time job? Or telling me this should be your full-time job. But then also other connections of people who want to be involved in those types of things, want like my contact information vendors who were like can we list you as a coordinator on our like preferred vendors list right so these things kind of snowball and that's an example from a non intentional conversation like i was just at a dinner and it was like oh yeah that was so fun the wedding blah 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 and someone being like wait what never mind the fact that if you are trying to be intentional and reaching out to the people that you know and say like hey this is what i'm really interested in right now or even something more simple like i'm thinking i want a job search And I want to explore these companies or these industries. Like Starting with those immediate people, I think, is such a strategic move and such an ease into networking. And then leaning into the people that say, hey, you should meet so-and-so and and really appreciating those good, good connectors in your life because there are people, like we have mentioned, Lori, that connected us. It was one email and she was like, hey, Cassie, have you met Jen? I think you guys would connect. And then one message where I was like, hey, Jen, Lori said we should connect. And like, boom, that has then led to multiple conversations and podcast recordings and and I'm sure so much more to come. And so leaning into those people who are, you know, your cheerleaders and those like good facilitators of connection, I think is also so invaluable.
0: What a powerful story of just having one conversation. You know, I often find myself sharing that with with clients it, it just takes one conversation and i love the word intentional it takes one intentional conversation even if it's not an intentional conversation it could lead to right. something but one intentional conversation will lead to another and another and the other thing too is that people genuinely want to help other people they just need to know how to help so exactly. the second you can intentionally tell someone What you're looking for, you know, they will want to help you. And I'm sure, and I also always say, everybody knows somebody. So you just think about that. Letting one person know what you're looking for and, you know, who a little bit about who you are, they're going to know somebody that they can connect you to. So what a powerful story. Thank you for sharing.
1: Yeah. And I think it is that like, it's that one step, you know, again, I think a lot of people hear networking and they think they have to like jump on LinkedIn and message a hundred people that they don't know. And it... It can be that if you want to do that. And if that feels good to you, great, I support it. But if that feels scary or if that feels not good or whatever the case may be, it can just be that intentional conversation. And you know, I think a lot, even among my own friend group, I think this has changed because I am a career coach and I more or less like engage my friends in these conversations. But even amongst our friends and, and family, a lot of times we're not even sharing like what we're interested in. And that, again, your immediate network and depending on your relationship with people, like you can decide who you're having these intentional conversations with. But even just letting someone know, like, this is what I'm thinking about or this is what I'm interested in. You never know where that can lead and someone can see an article or see a post somewhere or see something else or hear a conversation and share that with you. And that's just another step. And it can kind of create this ripple effect where things are in motion and you're learning about new companies or new opportunities or job postings or whatever the, the case may be um, that are facilitating the next move you're making.
0: Yeah, so much wisdom about networking and the power of connection and the power of you know one intentional conversation. So, so many takeaways there, Cassie. Thank you so much for sharing. So as we wrap up, I'd love for you to share with us a flourishing favorite. So maybe a book or a podcast or a resource. That has significantly impacted your career that you would share with somebody.
1: Mm, wow, I feel like I could pick a lot, um, but I'm gonna go to my my tried and true. I read the book The Last Lecture. I think for the first time in like 20, mm, 2009, maybe two thousand and eight, like a long time ago. But it is a book that I do feel like from that time pre-college, pre-grad school, had a really profound impact on just like the way that I think, uh, the way that I approach things. And it's a book, it's a really quick read, which is nice. Um, But it's a book that I pretty much come back to every year and try to read once a year, once every other year, to just kind of give that refresher and, and a reminder that there is always a path, and that sometimes the things that block our path are are there for a reason and kind of having that that approach. so i'll I'll, I'll stick with that one
0: that sounds right up my alley. I'm definitely going to check it out. Thank you for sharing of course. So Cassie, it is such a delight to chat with you today. Where would you like to send listeners if they want to learn more?
1: Mm, of course. Um, you can check me out on pretty much every social media platform at Career Coach Cassie. Um, also have information on my website, which is careercoachcassie.com. So pretty easy there. And then um I'm of course active on LinkedIn and have a podcast, Happenstance, which is available on Apple and Spotify.
0: Excellent. We'll make sure we add those to the show notes. So that is a wrap for today's episode, my friend. As always, you can find the notes from today's episode on the Flourish Careers blog at flourish.careers slash blog. I'll talk to you next time. I had an epic fail. I'll just share with you real quick before we get into this. Yeah. Like something is not right. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on? He's yeah. like, let's just hop on Zoom really quick. Literally, Cassie, we're on Zoom for 15 seconds. And he's like, oh, I know it's wrong. My microphone was backwards.
1: Oh, <laughs> so, no.
0: <laughs> so since I got it in this arm, it was backwards. And like the panel to talk to was on the other side. He's like, oh. So three times I read, oh. I think I have them memorized at this point. It was so hilarious. I was laughing so hard, but you live and learn, you know?
1: <laughs> now I'm like, I need to check.
0: I'm like, yep, okay, we're yeah. good. Right, I'm like, do it. <laughs>